Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil. I'm also joined, as always, by Terry, who's also in Minnesota with me, and Bob, who's in Virginia. We are three distinct voices, bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into this conversation. We want you to join in the conversation as well. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leave a message there. We also have a link in the description. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house here in Minnesota and in the Midwest. Now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations continue to be a light not only for us, but for you as well. Now let us welcome Terry and Bob into the conversation. Thank you for listening to Strange Catholics. On today's show, we're going to talk about a few Supreme Court cases. Bob will cover those and we'll have discussion on that. Then we're going to talk about how to have hope in these difficult and trying times. Our saint spotlight is St. Kateri, and we'll hear from Terry on the importance of her message for us today. Take it away, Bob. Hey, uh, welcome, brothers, and welcome all of our uh, podcast listeners uh, across the world. We appreciate you listening to this uh, podcast today. So recently in the news, a lot of uh, religious-related decisions that have come out from the Supreme Court. If you know, I'm not a Supreme Court expert by any means, but the Supreme Court, you know, ends its term the end of June every year, and there's a whole bunch of decisions come out the last week of June, and and a lot of them had some religious and Catholic type implications. First one I want to talk about is uh, it was a a Louisiana case, uh, abortion and uh, clinic doctors where the the court struck down or reaffirmed that uh, that the state uh, can't require doctors who perform abortions to have admitted privileges at, a, at hospitals within 30 miles. Where did are you either, either are you guys familiar with that case at all? Yes, I didn't read the decision, but yes, I'm quite familiar with it. So, you know, so the, so the decision um, was that says that admitted privileges uh, rule would do more harm than good for pregnant women because it would likely result in closing of all but one of the stations uh, or state's abortion providers. Um, And that was a five to four decision. So you see a lot of polarization there. Mm -hmm. And and I I think we're going to see a lot more of these types of cases coming up as I think it seems that the winds of change is it's more of a potentially more of a conservative court than a liberal court. I mean, it obviously seems to be very hyper-polarized, or at least that's the way it's portrayed now. But even our some lives. of those that are seen as, you know, these are, in quotes, you know, the conservative justices, they didn't um, necessarily vote in the way that people thought they would in that case specifically. Well, I think in this case, all the conservative justices, except the chief justice, um, all, all the the conservative justices, Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, Gorsuch, and Justice Kavanaugh all voted to say, hey, it was okay for the state to do this. And then all the liberal justices said, no, it wasn't. And the chief justice sided with the liberal ones in this case. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and obviously for for Catholics, I mean, you know, the pro-life movement, um, 
you know, it, it's kind of a strike against that. I, I'm not sure this is always the best way to go about this in my personal opinion, but, you know, anything we can do to have less abortions in this country is a good thing and to eventually get rid of abortion. You know, I'm not always convinced that if we just outlaw it, that that's going to be the end of it. You know what I mean? So that's, mm-hmm. I think that's where, where uh, I, I get a little bit torn to say, let's say the Supreme Court outlaws abortion. Will, will, will abortion stop then? It, it won't stop because there will be, um, you know, underground clinics that will, will still be out there because it's such a, a, a polarizing uh, subject. You know. Well, the underground clinics existed even before yeah. Roe versus Wade came to the Supreme Court. So to say or to um, make it a crime to commit an abortion, you know, won't stop it because, I mean, it existed before it was legal. So what what would make us think that if we if it was made illegal that abortions would just simply stop, especially when uh, you have the money being exchanged for abortions now that you do. Right. I I don't disagree with that. Um, You know, it's, it's a, it's a really complicated issue. I, I know many times we try to boil it down to a life and death issue. And I think all three of us and a lot of our brethren see it as a life and death issue. And, and, um, that makes sense. But I think to the pro choice movement, they don't see it as a life and death issue. They see it as a, a power or control, a control issue, right? It, it, sure. You know, a liberty issue. These te- So I think we're not even fighting or, or, or arguing, debating on the same battlefield. We're not even coming at it from the same approach. Uh, you know, I just, I'm just looking for some harmony here where at some point, why can't all humans come together and, and have some agreement that, you know, the, the extinguishing of unborn babies is barbaric and the right thing to do. So, but that's a, that's a pretty sensitive subject. So, let me, unless you guys got something else, Sam, I'm going to move on to the next one here. The, the decision that came out on 30 June about religion in the school, religions in schools, it, uh, what it was, was a case that said the state can exclude church schools from a state-sponsored tuition aid program. This came from Montana that supports students in other private schools um, or does the, that exclusion amount, is it unconstitutional? And and the court said it was unconstitutional based on um, based on religion. The court in another five to four decision said that, uh, you know, forbids giving tax money to church or their affiliates, but they're saying that the, uh, that's what the Montana Supreme Court said. But the, uh, the, the U.S. Supreme Court said that, uh, that discriminatory policy violates the first amendment and its protection of free exercise of religion. So there, and you know, the, the four justices on, on the dissenting side were all the liberal ones, which 
to me, shows something a little bit. Now, this is a win for, for Catholic schools all over the place. Now, a state doesn't have to, you know, a state doesn't have to uh, give state-sponsored uh, tuition aid programs, but to give state-sponsored tuition aid programs to a private school, let's say like a private school that has no religious affiliation, but then say we're not going to give it to a religious private school based on this, you know, kind of this weird kind of position uh, of it being, you know, uh, giving money to church or their affiliates. I mean, like somehow it's like we're supporting a church. I mean, to me, it made no sense. So I think this is a, this is an absolute win for, for Catholic schools. Anything from you guys on that? Phil, any thoughts at all? Uh, The only thing that (laughs) makes me a little nervous about it is that then can they start to ask for taxes later on down the road because they're allowing this? They'd have to ask, and I don't know if they can, but they'd have to, you know, uh, you know, I, I think that that's always a discussion about the church anyway and you know, that's something that gets hung over the head of all churches, not just Catholic, right? Yes. All churches that, yes. you know, they're, uh, you tax exempt status, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it, maybe that's a possibility. But to me, the, the reason that I, first of all, I think it's a win for religious schools because that gives them more option. And why, why should they be uh, prohibited from receiving state-sponsored tuition aid programs if they're if if private schools are eligible, you shouldn't right. say, uh, you know, for example, in Minneapolis, you know, uh, we know some private schools that aren't affiliated with churches. Why should they get money, and why would you know uh, St. Thomas Academy not be able to get it or Crete and be able to get it as well? To me, it seems like that 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 seems discriminatory to me. Um, and I don't understand, and I haven't read the dissent, but why the four liberal justices would have said, hey, that's okay. I just think it's some view of, you know, church and state. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and I think that that gets perverted, that somehow we're thinking that somehow that they're promoting some sort of religion. And right. that's really what church and state is. And, and that's not true. Correct. All right. So let me move on here to the last one, which is uh, one that just came out here in the last few days. Uh, birth control. And so it was about uh, the Affordable Care Act. And we've been kind of back and forth on the Affordable Care Act things here for the last few years since it came out, also known as Obamacare, um, that requiring, you know, no cost contraceptives to employees, right? So some employers, in this case, it was the Little Sisters of the Poor said, you know, we're not giving contraceptives out because there is a, you know, we're asking for a, a, a broader religious exemption. And, and this, and in this case, in a seven to two vote, the, uh, the Supreme Court overturned a ruling by a lower court, which had blocked the, the, the current Trump administration rule from taking effect on legal and procedural grounds. So um, Justice Thomas said, uh, the administration had the legal authority to carve out a broader religious exemption for employers. So, um, so, so it, it, the ruling is not, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so it's, it's a little bit, um, 
think there's going to be more um, cases involved this from what I can read, but, but it looks like at least it's, it's a win. So if, you know, the archdiocese of whatever community, right. I, you know, I live in the diocese of Arlington, the diocese of Arlington says, Hey, we're, we're not giving, you know, free contraceptives to, to our employees because the Catholic church is, you know, against that on, on religious grounds. And so the federal, federal government says you must, and in this case, uh, right now it looks like that, uh, they don't have to do that, but, but there may be more to come on this. So go ahead, Bill. So I think this was with the little sisters of the poor. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. It was. So I think it's a, it's a really big win for them. I mean, I know they were one of the stronger plaintiffs, right. Trying to, you know, try, trying to argue this. They've been, they've been at this a long time. Um, right. Uh, but it's, so it's good that they get some relief or, you know, people are hearing what they're saying. I agree that there will probably be more in this area likely, but it's good to see that because of their religious affiliation, they can be exempt from something. Yeah, no. And I, I agree. I think it's, it's good for the, it's good for them and good for the church. I'm trying to find it here again in my, my notes. Go ahead, Terry. Well, I, I'm completely agree with the both of you. I think it's a big win, not only for the sisters, but for um, our faith in general. Um, just a great example in my mind of, you know, uh, the church standing up for what it believes in instead of caving in to social pressure or caving in, in this case, to the federal government. Um, here is a great case um, where the Catholic church is one. And I, I absolutely happy and elated that uh, the Supreme court justices saw the merit in the argument of, of the sisters. So, okay. So I think just so we're clear, it, it is that, um, that the, the Trump administration does have the legal authority to carve out a more broader religious exemption for employers. Right. So that allows the little sisters of poor to say they're not going to do that for on religious grounds. Um, but so what has to be left is some, uh, some items with the third circuit in regard to violating some administrative procedure act and some other things. So, so there's still some other rounds on this, but, but so far so good, right. For, for employers, religious exemptions and so on. And, and I think everybody probably remembers the Hobby Lobby uh, cases that religious exemption cases that were back. Wow, that must have been maybe five or even 10 years ago when we started with the uh, Affordable Care Act. Yep. So that's what I have for current events, things going on. A lot of, a lot of these decisions that came out within the last couple of weeks had uh, religious tints to them and religious uh, implications. And, you know, we're not experts on, on the law. I don't know if we're experts on anything, but uh, <laughs> except talking, but, uh, but we're trying to bring some of that stuff uh, to our, to the podcast community. So um, every, every week I'm going to try to bring some sort of current event if possible 
uh, through some sort of Catholic position and, and what some of those implications are. So. so let's now transition into talking about how to still have hope in this crazy world today. So starting... I thought I just gave that you. To did, you. <laughs> you did. Absolutely, Bob. Absolutely. So starting in the Catechism with uh, paragraph 1817, I'll just jump down a little bit in that paragraph. The Holy Spirit he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. That's the hope that we must have, not hope in that this world will be great. It will be easy, although we have things pretty darn good in the United States for the most part. Uh, You know, we've been very abundantly blessed but still our hope is in God, right? So if we keep our eyes fixed on Christ, even amidst the turmoils, even amidst being, you know, many people are out of work, many people are sickened by coronavirus, or there's a lot of anxiety about it. The more that we can, you know, really fix our eyes on Christ and continue to come back, you know, circle back around and place all our trust in him, the greater peace that we will experience, not peace of this world, but the peace that Christ gives. So from Romans 8, uh, verse 24, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that sees for itself is not hope, for who hopes in what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. And there's another great quote from Romans chapter 12, verse 12, Rejoice in hope, endure in affliction, persevere in prayer. And I think all of these things sum up so well how important it is to be constant in our prayer. If we miss a day, we miss the commitment we made, we just get right back at it. We don't become discouraged. We don't knock ourselves down. That's the work of the enemy. And we will then be able to endure the afflictions that are before us. And then we can truly rejoice and hope. Bob, Terry. Well, I, I just want to add one other, uh, one other element to your um, scripture verses of hope. And that is uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, For I know well the plans I have in mind for you, oracle of the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your woe so as to give you a future of hope. So uh, when, you, when you don't have hope, you have despair. And for me, when I despair, I, I've noticed that uh, my prayer life is off. Uh, life becomes much more chaotic. Uh, so having set aside that time and we kind of talked about this you know in one of our other podcasts we talked about prayer but setting aside that time to pray daily and having that connection with the lord uh, can help be that boat of salvation or of hope that gets you through the the stormy and rough waters um you know, I, I just know I, I have visited with people who have lost hope. Um, and I know what a, what a deep, dark place that is. And, 
Um, obviously, it's not a place anybody really wants to be. Um, so hope in the Lord and trust in him, I guess, would be my message for the day. Bob, any thoughts? Well, obviously, things seem to not be going well right now within the world. And, and especially within our country, right? So the messages you get when you when you read the paper, you turn on the TV, you know, watch the news. It's how many deaths there are from COVID, how many states are rising, how dysfunctional our government could be or is, depending on how you view it. Um, the um, the civil disturbance, uh, the racial injustice. I mean, there there is, you know, we're living through a really, really weird, unique time, and and, and it's really easy to have despair, you know, um, especially now that we 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 thought that we were doing really well with COVID. And and uh, we're not um, as far as the numbers go, right? Because they're continuing to rise. Mm-hmm. So so there's a lot of you know people are depressed about that. Are are students going to go back to school this fall? Mm-hmm. We don't know that, but right now, I mean, I mean, is there going to be football? <laughs> oh, is there going to be football? <laughs> it doesn't really look like there's going to be football, does there? The way things are going. And kids might be only going to school one or two days a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and all that stress. Oh, yeah. So it is, uh, it is it is a turbulent time. And, and, and on top of that, the, the polarization of our society. And, and I think that that's where I want to go with this is that less about the individual how we as individuals, let's just say in the United States, we talked about this during patriotism as well, coming together in this one nation under God, right? That one defining principle, right? That one central thing, that one nation under God, how do we come together as really one people, you know, and, and, and that's, and, and unite and, and, that's not what we're seeing right now. You know, everybody needs to pray about that, but they also need to, you know, reach out and, and try to understand the other people, other person's situation, but also try to come together as a group. You know, this is a, this is a very complicated time. I, I, I'm concerned um, daily when I see some of the rhetoric on on television about or read in the newspaper. I mean, it's almost like we're in a country now that is ready to, to split, you know, where are we going in the future? I mean, there's, there's such divergent views that can never, you know, set those aside and then come together for one common purpose, right? You know, unite under this country, under this flag, you know, under one nation, under God, for all the, like, the common good of all the people within the country. We used to be able to do that and still disagree. And we can't do that. It doesn't seem like we can do that now. And that's why I think what, what 
uh, concerns me the most. So where do you see, Bob, let me ask you, um, are we too far gone or do you think we can come back together as a country and find our way back? Well, this is a very smart man. Uh, during my uh, early formation time, I, I met with him and I, I constantly lamented about things I saw. And this was years ago, so it's much worse now. But about things I saw within the Catholic Church that I disagreed with and I didn't think things were going well. And he just told me, you know, he goes, you know what? It's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. It's not like we haven't had crises before, right? We had the Crusades. We had, you know, we've had, we had Luther. We had other schisms and heretics and other, you know, and we've, we've lasted through those things, right? We've, we've, we continue, right? We're the slow boat that keeps going. And, um, so I'm trying to have a perspective, Terry, that maybe this is just a blip in time, you know, just like some parts of the 1960s, we talked about 1968, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, maybe like that kind of thing. I mean, this is not turbulent like the 1968 year that was much worse, but mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's close to that. I mean, so I, I'm hopeful that we are going to come back together, but I, I don't, we will not come back together until we realize what the problem is. And the problem is, <laughs> the problem is us. <laughs> it's not the other people, it's us. And that's, and I think that's where we need to, uh, we need to start. So the things that you guys talked about, about getting your own house in order, about prayer, about being, you know, having hope for the future, all these other things. People need to do those types of things because what I see now about being, you know, the polarization is typically it's the other person's wrong and I'm right. And, and they can't extend an olive branch to listen to the other person, you know? And so the response is we demonize those people. We belittle those people, all those types of things. And it's just, it, it's just unchristian to do those types of things. So there needs to be some unifying, unifying. I, I just don't know what it is. I mean, the church can play an important role in that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, it, I think they, I th they, they try, you know, they try to stay out of the politics as much as they can, but also try to be a unifying force. I, I know the Pope tries to do that, sure. right? The Pope sure. is... Absolutely. Well, I think there's so, therein lies the opportunity to follow follow what our forefathers have done. Um, I think history is has taught us. World history has taught us that the Catholic Church um, can be a great point of refuge for people. And you know, if we can be that that place of hope, that place of refuge for those who maybe can't agree, I think we uh, can help people find their way back to, if not totally agree, agree to disagree and find common ground to where the, to the point of where we can um, still have a civil discussion and still 
be able to respect that other person's opinion. And I have hope. I have hope we'll get there. Um, I'm I'm a big glass half empty guy, but I have hope that we're going to get there. You know, I, as it says in Psalm 71, as for me, I always have hope and I will always praise you more and more. Amen. Amen to that, brother. That feels like a great transition to talk about St. <laughs> Kateri. Perfect. Well, thanks, guys. Um, St. Kateri, yes. One of, uh, for me, a, a recently discovered saint, uh, but one with a very powerful story. So we celebrate uh, Kateri's feast day coming up or uh We've already celebrated July 14th, depending upon when we, uh, when you're listening to this. St. Kateri Tekakawitha, uh, her name is the Mohawk form of Catherine, which she took from St. Catherine of Siena. She uh, is the patroness of ecology and the environment, people in exile, and Native Americans. She is also known as the Lily of the Mohawks. St. Kateri was the, is the first indigenous North American to be canonized a saint by the Catholic Church, born in 1656 in a Mohawk village of Osserninan, which is in modern-day New York. Uh, Kateri contracted smallpox as a four-year-old child which left her not only with permanent scars on her skin, but her great her vision greatly impaired for the rest of her life. The other children of the tribe teased her about the way that she looked because of that humiliation that she would receive. Uh, she was seen wearing a blanket pretty frequently to cover not only her skin, but her face as well. Uh, Kateri's entire family also during uh, that smallpox outbreak, uh, was also contracted smallpox and died from it. She was raised by her uncle, who succeeded her father as chief of the Mohawk Nation. But she never forgot those Catholic prayers that her mother was a Catholic Algonquin Indian woman and was captured by the Mohawks and she was uh, taken by the Mohawk chief as her bride. Kateri never forgot those frequently said prayers uh, that were recited regularly by her beloved mother. When Kateri was 10 in 1666, a war party composed of French soldiers and hostile natives from Canada destroyed the Mohawk strongholds on the south bank of the Mohawk River including the town that she lived in, uh, Osserninan. The surviving Mohawks moved to the north side of the river. Her uncle hated the coming of the Black Robes, the Jesuit missionaries, rather, but could do nothing about them because of the peace treaty with the French that required their presence in the villages with Christian captives. She was moved and deeply impressed uh, at the age of the 11 by the lives and the words of the three visiting Jesuits 
likely the first white Christians she had ever encountered. She began to lead a life inspired by the example of these men. When it came time for Kateri to be married, she absolutely refused. When her adopted family pers uh, pursued a suitor for her, she turned them down. When it became clear to her family that Kateri had no interest in marriage, they accepted her and accepted her decision. At the age of 19, she converted to Catholicism and was baptized on Easter Sunday, taking a vow of chastity and pledging to marry only Jesus Christ. Her decision was a very unpopular decision with her adoptive parents and their neighbors. Now she would have to be treated as a slave because she would not work on Sunday. Katiri received no food for that day. Her life in grace grew rapidly. Uh, she told a missionary that she often meditated on the great dignity of being baptized. She was powerfully moved by God's human beings and saw the dignity of each of her people. Some of her neighbors started rumors of sorcery. She was harassed, stoned, and threatened with torture within her home village. To avoid persecution, she traveled to a Christian Indian mission of St. Francis Xavier on the Sault St. Louis near Montreal. According to the legend, Katiri was very devout and would put thorns on her sleeping mat to basically remind her of the nails uh, that were in Jesus' hands and feet. She often prayed for the conversion of her fellow Mohawks According to the Jesuit missionaries that served the community where Kateri lived, she often fasted, and when she would eat, she would taint her food to diminish its flavor. On at least one occasion, she burned herself. According to the resources that I read, such self-mortification was common among the Mohawk nation. Kateri was very devout and was known uh, for her steadfast devotion. She was also very sickly. Her practices of self-mortification and denial may have not helped her health. At age 23, she took a vow of virginity, an unprecedented act for an Indian woman whose future depended upon being married. She found a place in the woods where she could pray for an hour a day. Her virginity, her dedication rather to virginity was instinctive. Kateri did not know about religious life for women until she visited Montreal. Inspired by this, she and two friends wanted to start a community, but her spiritual director uh, dissuaded her from doing that because of her health. Sadly, after five years after her conversion to Catholicism, she became ill and passed away at the age of 24 on April 17, 1680, the afternoon before Holy Thursday. Within minutes of her death, the lines of suffering, even the pockmarks on her body and skin disappeared and her face became dazzlingly white and, the, and a touch of a smile came across her lips. Her final words were, Jesus, I love you. She was uh, up for beatification by Pope John Paul II in 1980. In December of 2011, after evaluating the testimony of a young boy who claimed that his infection 
with a flesh-eating bacteria disappeared after he prayed for her intercession, Pope Benedict XVI recognized her as a saint in the Catholic Church. St. Kateri was then canonized on October 21st, 2012. Gentlemen, any thoughts? Beautiful saint. Incredible. Yeah, she was, uh, she believed in the value of offered suffering. So. And she didn't cave in when her family continually insisted that she take a husband. She did not cave in to their pressure. She stood by God and said, no, I am saving myself for Jesus Christ. So what a great example for, you know, our, our young daughters and young sons and, and just anybody who is really struggling with being pressured into, into something in their relationship that maybe they don't want to do. Or even just to be steadfast in our own virtues, right? To search, seek that virtuous life. Um, you know, what a great witness and a great saint to lean to, uh, to ask for assistance, uh, especially in these trying times. Absolutely. Yeah. And to not, you know, I mean, it was a very difficult time for her to live in. And I'm sure there was a lot of pressure, especially from uh, the Mohawk community you know, for her to take a husband or, or for her not to be Catholic. In fact, I, I, I just, when I was reading through some of this stuff, there's still some controversy among the Mohawk that they, they traditional Mohawks don't, don't really like her canonized because they see her as a, you know, as a connection to the worst aspects of colonization at that time. So, so you just just try to imagine how difficult it was for her with, you know, being introduced to Christianity and Catholicism. And then the other things that could go with that, uh, you know, with with uh, uh, European settlers coming or or, or Canadians or wh whatever it is. I mean, not all those things that were brought were good. I mean, obviously bringing God to them was a good thing, but some of those other things weren't. So, um, so there was a, there was some controversy there. And so I, I'm sure it made it very, very difficult for her. St. Kateri, pray for us. Amen. So, right. So we've, so we've come to the end of another podcast. Um, and I guess we can thank everybody after you do closing prayer. Go ahead. Phil. In the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you again for gathering us together. We pray that this conversation will be helpful to those that hear it. We ask your blessing on all those that may hear this, that you would inspire and inflame within their hearts your hope, your peace, your mercy. These are trying times, Lord, and we ask you, to come down and grant us and our whole country and world your peace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. St. Kateri, pray for pray us. Pray for us. Come to the end of another podcast. You know, folks, we appreciate you listening. 
we know we run a little long and Phil does his yeoman's work to try to get us down to about 30, 35 minutes. We've, we know we we're running longer um, because we have a lot of things to say. I mean, we're getting better at it. So please stay with us. Please listen to the whole podcast. We think there's value in it for you. Please leave your comments um, on whatever podcast platform you find us on. Remember you can find us in, on Apple uh, on Stitcher, on Spotify, you can go to Anchor. There's a lot of places that you can to find us and, and leave um, comments and, and show uh, requests, suggestions, and so on. Yep, there will be links in the description to leave us an audio message on Anchor if you'd like. You can also send us your comments, your voice feedback, or topic suggestions for future episodes at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Again, a link in the description. Any closing comments, Terry? Well, as always, brothers, it's a pleasure and a uh, joy to join you virtually and to open up our conversation and to uh, just come together to praise God through this great format of podcasting. Well, amen. amen. <laughs> until, and until next week, everybody, love you, brother. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that it helps you continue to dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. If you would like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics. You can leave us a message there. We will play and respond to your question or comment as we are able in the next episode. We ask that you share this podcast and this episode especially with at least one person. This will help get the word out and help more people to join in the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. This really helps podcasts get traction and help even more people discover the peace love, and mercy that our Lord offers each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day, and may God bless you.